Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Astrid, how's it going? Hi, thanks for having me. Everything's fine. Awesome. This is going to be a fantastic episode for the designers because we are talking about two things that really matter when it comes to business growth these days, especially if you're a digital entrepreneur, SEO, and user experience. So Astrid, first and foremost, who is Astrid Fan? <laughs> wow, what a question. So we start professionally. I am an SEO and UX consultant, and I'm doing SEO and UX for 15 years now, 13 years as a freelancer, as a solopreneur. And before I studied information science, so I have a master in information science. And so that means I started with all this usability and information retrieval and search engines and all that stuff before I did it professionally. Yeah, that's me professionally in a nutshell. And so private Astrid is living in Marbella in Spain. I'm German. I have a kid and a dog and enjoy the life in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How long have you been living in Spain, Astrid? Oh, for seven years now. Wow, it must be beautiful over there. I haven't made it that way yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the best decision I ever made, I have to say, coming here. All right, well, I know who to reach out to when I come that way, for sure. You got to <laughs> give me some of those pointers. I know the food is amazing. Yeah, it is. And the beaches and the sun and, well, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about Houston, besides when the uh, hurricane season comes around. Love the weather. Love everything about it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, you've been an entrepreneur for a while. You've done a lot in your career. You've worked with some pretty big brands. So we're going to lean on that expertise a little bit here. First and foremost, what is strategic SEO? Well, strategic SEO means that you always take into account all channels that are relevant for your product and your sales and your PR and your social media and everything that is connected to your company and your product. Because very often people think that SEO is something that you just add. So you build a website. And then somebody says, okay, now let's do some SEO. And this is not working because SEO is relevant in every part of your business. So if you do uh, sales, you have two sites that convert, for example. So it doesn't make sense to uh, get a lot of traffic on your website, but it doesn't convert. So you can't do sales. Or if somebody comes to your site and the site is not working, it's too slow. I don't know. It's not understandable. The UX is bad. So then the user is not happy and you're not happy. And also it doesn't make sense. It all fits together. It has to fit together. For example, if you do a TV spot and you use a phrase in this spot or you use a certain actor and the SEO department is not informed about that. So then maybe the searches arise for this actor, or for the phrase or something like this. And you did not reduce the domain. You did not do on-page SEO. You did not build the content you need to be at the same page as the people who did TV spots. So you have a lot of potential when all the departments in the company work together and SEO is informed about what is going on early enough. <laughs> well, how do we inform them early enough? What is early enough, first off? That's a good question. Well, usually one thing that is really bad for SEO is something like, let's do a relaunch. And then very often it's like this. Okay, Asud, we want to do a relaunch next month. Can you take a look at it. So when you relaunch your website, SEO should start six months before. So this is something that you really should take into account that you have 
enough time to gather all data, to do all the analysis you need, to have all the resources, to make the planning, all that stuff. So this is essential. And how to get all the other departments to talk to each other? That's a good question. I had one client once where I said, okay, I want to do a workshop with you, but I want to have one person from every department at the table. And this was awesome because then everybody was talking to each other and you were able to, I don't know, the customer service could talk to products a product could talk to sales because they're all dependent. I mean, it's all one thing. And from every one of those, then you get the information you need for SEO. So it's complex, but it's cool the better you work together. Right. And a lot of us don't even think about that, like customer service tying into the SEO. So how does that look like? What are we asking? What type of questions? If we did get everybody together, what would we be looking for? Yeah, for example, customer service is a good example, because imagine you have people on the telephone who get answers from your clients and they know best after they did this job for a month, for two months, for three months. What are the questions the customers always have? What are the clients always asking for? Do we answer these questions online? Do we really project the questions we get in the call center and put them online? And then when we put them online with structured data and the correct format for SEO, but the content comes from the customer service because they know which problems the customers have. So something like this, this is a very good example. And gotcha. And then when you're creating content, like how do you create it for SEO? Oh, okay. There are different layers. So, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First of all, it has to be awesome. So this sounds like, but I mean it content has to be awesome because if it's not a good content, nobody wants to read it. Nobody will link to it. Nobody will share it on social media. And if nobody links to it and nobody shares it, then it's not worth for SEO. But when you have a piece of content that is awesome, then you have to make it readable for a search engine. That means if you have a video, for example, then you should provide a transcript of the video. So it's a no-brainer because the search engine needs the text or it still works better with the text. And for users who can't see the video or don't want to see a video because bad time and the kid is sleeping nearby or something like this, they have the possibility to read. So this is like make the content accessible for your users and the search engine. And then, of course, then you have the technical stuff. So what I really like is I asked ChatGPT if I need more information, how to write something nicely. Then I asked my SEO tools. For example, I use SEMrush and then I check, do I really use all the semantically relevant keywords in the text? Is the text long enough? All that stuff. And if I get this feedback, then I put it into DeeperWrite because DeeperWrite says, okay, this text is nicely written or not so nicely written. You can redo it. And when you have done it, then you have some technical tools that you can use to make it even better for SEO. Wow, that is super detailed. So it's not like you just say, oh, I got this idea to write this. You really have to think about how you're composing that content and make sure it's aligning with certain keywords. Is there a number of keywords that we should be looking to rank for? No. In SEO, you always get the answer. It depends. And that's true because even your main keyword depends, which is the best keyword for you. You don't pick one keyword that is searched 10,000 times per month just because it has a high search volume. If it's not relevant enough for you or if it's not specific enough for you, if you have a keyword with a lower search volume, 
the probability of a conversion is way higher. So if somebody is searching for red shoes, high search volume. But if somebody is searching for red sneakers, Puma size 38, then the conversion is nearer because this person really wants to buy those sneakers now. So this is something you have to take into account. And then, no, you can say, okay, sometimes you need a lot of semantically relevant keywords to put into the text, sometimes not. What I do is I have some kind of checklist, but I have it in my head, but I give it to my clients. <laughs> There's the checklist. I take care about your title tag, your description, your H1, your headlines in the text, how to name images, what to set as alt attribute and images, um, how to format your text and so on. So these are so basic guidelines that nearly never changed, in fact. So since I'm doing SEO, it is like this, that you have to structure a text very clearly. So on. yeah, and that's it. Ashley, I need that checklist. Where can I find it? <laughs> <laughs> I will send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so you work in an uh, interesting space. A lot of people don't think about the user's experience really being tied into SEO. So how do those two intersect when it comes to brand awareness and business growth? Yeah. As I said, if you reach your goal and you get a lot of traffic on your website, but then your website is so annoying that nobody really finds what he wants or what he's searching for, then you did not win. You got a lot of traffic, but you don't win. And this is bad for your brand awareness, for your expertise. So it always has to go hand in hand. I guess the problem a little bit in UX is we very often say that user experience is a graphic. Thing. So the graphic designers, they think about user experience. But in fact, there should be a person, and very often this person is missing, who does the planning, the planning of the content I need, how to present the content, just very raw wireframes where it has to be something like this, what happens when we go mobile, when we change the device, and so on. And this is a little bit more like a designer, but an information designer. So in, I worked with an agency, a very big agency. They had someone like this. It was a conceptor who only did the concepts of the landing pages or the apps. And then the designers came in and realized what he said. But first he was checking with SEO, with product, with PR. Is the content okay? Is the structure okay? And then it went to the designer to really realize it. So very often this layer is a little bit missing the the UX layer without design, but it's important. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can see how that is because you come to a site, you don't get very long to impress your audience, right? It's like, you got to make sure that it jives well with them. So when it comes to like user experience, a lot of us think of content and keeping it fresh. Is there like a certain amount of content that we should be creating, like say per week? It depends. <laughs> well, you have to be realistic. What can you do? What are your resources? I mean, of course, I work with very big clients. So for them, it's usually when you have a newspaper, for example, then you publish 30, 40 articles per day. And this is normal because it's your business. So you can't do this when you have a shop because then it's limited. So 
And you can't do it when you're a small or mid-sized business because your resources are limited. So what I say, especially for business owners of small businesses or solopreneurs, only do SEO if you take it serious, if you can really have the resources and really can do it. If you have your company presentation online and you're writing, I don't know, a blog post every week, just one or every two weeks. And this is okay because this is not your main channel. Then everything is fine. Then, of course, you have to take care that this blog post is reachable for search engines and that it's optimized and then you spread it via LinkedIn or social media, wherever. But this is what you can do because this is what you can provide. But it doesn't make sense to say, I had this once, an experience like this. There was somebody who said he wants to rank for real estate in Marbella or high real estate in Marbella, but they only had eight landing pages or something like this. And I said, this is completely impossible because this is so competitive. This business is so competitive. And we have platforms with the real estate. They have uh, thousands, thousands of pages in Google Index and they produce pages like, I don't know, uh, 20 new pages every week. So something like this. So, And you can't keep pace with those competitors. So what I can say is SEO can make sense for you. If you don't have a lot of resources, then it makes sense that you find a niche, that you say, okay, I have maybe one very specific topic, one, two, three, four, five specific keywords and I optimize for those. So if somebody is searching for this, but maybe only 100 people per month are searching for this, but then they come to me because I don't have competitors around. But it doesn't make sense to say, oh, I see a lot of people make money with credits and smartphones online with organic traffic. I want to be one of those people. So this is really not doable in most cases. Right. That makes sense. But when you choose like keywords, how do you rank from? Do you just put them on your page like a couple of times? They're just mentioned here and there. How do you rank for those keywords? No, of course, you have to use the keyword on the page, but it's way more important that the page is really relevant for this keyword. For example, if you optimize for red sneakers and people are searching for red sneakers, but you don't optimize for buying red sneakers, then you did not optimize a landing page for the transaction. But if somebody is searching for buying red sneakers, then he wants to buy them online. So if they only are searching for red sneakers, then they maybe they want to see 30, 40, 50 different red sneakers just to choose. So it's more important that you make a classification of your keywords when it comes to search intent, that you say, okay, I have this keyword. This is a very important keyword for me because it describes my product perfectly. But I have now keyword phrases that are informational. Somebody will read something informational about this. Transactional, somebody wants to buy it. Navigational, somebody wants to come to my shop somewhere. So I have to put in my brand and my Google Maps integration and everything. Things like that. So this is important. So it doesn't make sense to rank for something and then you don't get the search intent or you don't fit the search intent. Gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned that there are some tools where you can identify what the search intent is, like if they wanted transaction, if they want just information, you can use like a SEMrush or something like that you mentioned, right? Exactly. I can use SEMrush. 
Systrix also provides it. I'm quite sure Search Metrics too, but I'm not using it at the moment. There are a lot of tools who provide that information. But the easiest way to find the search intent for a keyword is to browse to Google anonymously without your search history. You make an anonymous window, you go to Google, you search for the keyword, and you look at the search engine result page because Google will show you if there are shopping results or if there are video results or if there are image results. So you see what Google thinks, what people want to see or want to do when they type in this phrase. So for me, Google is the best place to search for your own keyword and see what Google delivers because Google has the biggest amount of data about searches. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good tip. You know, hey, you don't even need a tool, really. You just look for the free one, Google, which has the biggest search database and will tell you all the results. <laughs> Thank you for that one. That's a bar. I know a lot of the designers listening are like, you know what? I've always wanted to rank number one on Google. Personally, I mean, I'm a marketing guy. I still haven't hit number one. So what does that take, Astrid? And how do you stay there? It depends. <laughs> it's- I'm quite sure you're number one for Javon Wooden. Yes. I hope I, I said yes, it Yes, right. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is a no-brainer. If you are the person people are searching for, you should be number one. If you are the brand people are searching for, you should be number one. But the more competitive the market is, the more you have to do. And it's simply put, you just have to put in more effort than your competitors. So... And there are some things that may be a little bit harder to influence. For example, for Google, brands are very important. So if you're building your brand, it's not enough only doing SEO. You should also do all the other marketing stuff and advertisement stuff because Google knows if you are a known brand or not, if the people are searching for your brand name or not. So this is something Google knows. So it's important to become a brand. Then you have an advantage in SEO. On the other hand, it's also important to be an expert on your topic. This is for Google very important. It's, I don't know, 10 years ago, it was possible to have a website with a lot of content about just everything and it was able to rank for everything as long as there's enough content. So now Google says, no, I want experts on specific topics. If you're an expert for exactly this topic, then you have good chances to be ranked number one or number two. Especially if your topics are your money, your life topics. These are topics like insurances or healthcare, all that stuff that really influences the life of people. And Google is afraid of fake news and doesn't want to rank fake news very good or people who just want your money and, I don't know, scammers and all that stuff. So you really have to build up trust also that Google says, okay, you deserve to be number one. That's great info. And then when it comes to keeping up with all that's going on, like how often should you check or do a review of your SEO practices? Well, I would say you should minimum at least once a month, check the keywords you're ranking from maybe position 11 to 20 or 11 to 30. For example, in Spain or in Germany, this is more relevant because we still have page one, page two, page three, page four on Google. I guess in the States, you have infinite scrolling now. So this is not a topic for you anymore. But still, you have the places where you are under the fold and not so easy to reach. But you can say, okay, when I'm position 11 or 10, Google says I'm relevant for this topic, but I'm not good enough at the moment. So I have to optimize this 
landing page for this keyword to rank it higher. So this should be at least once a month checkup. Okay, awesome. And then how does social media play into like SEO? Depends on the social media platform, of course. You have uh, platforms where the content is indexable and reachable for Google and other content is not indexable and not reachable. So what is relevant for Google is if your page gets traffic and if your page gets mentions. So this plays a role for SEO. But you can't say, okay, now, I don't know. I mean, how to optimize on Instagram. So then you can put a link in the bio, or I guess now you can put some more, but this is not really optimizing. But if you write a post on LinkedIn and the people are really coming from this post to your website, so then there's traffic, then there's relevance, then there's a mention that really makes a difference. So social media is very, very important, but not in the first place, because of the links or something like this, it's more important that you get mentions and that you are recognized and that you bring traffic to your page. Got it. Okay. And that brings to the next question. So some of us know about the on-page versus off-page. Is there one or the other that's more important? It depends on your business. When you're, for example, a news publisher, so then on-page for you is way more important than off-page, of course, because you're publishing news. So the people don't have the time to put backlinks on your article that you just published two minutes ago. So, But Google wants to publish this article in the search engine, in the index, because it's new and it's cool and it's good. So you have to have a good template to be fast, have a clean HTML, all that stuff. So this is very important when you're a news publisher. When you are an expert for insurances, for example, then it's important that people around you that are relevant for your branch, that are very trustworthy, link to you and mention you. So it's still very good to have uh, reviews or to have uh, backlinks from trusted sites. But it really depends on uh, what you're doing. And also it depends of your competitors, because as you see, Google never says how many ranking factors we have. On Google. Some months ago, the source code of Yandex was leaked, the Russian search engine, and they had around 1,900 ranking factors. Most of them not actual anymore, but around 400 still working. So, and I'm quite sure that Google has the same amount or more. So, we talk about 400 to 500 ranking factors that all work together and they can't see independently one another, another, another. So, you really have to test what is working in my branch, what is working with my target group. Is it more important to build up backlinks when you're in a very competitive niche, for example, especially in a niche like gambling, for example? So this is a very competitive niche and it's hard to build up trusted content. And Google is not really keen to bring people now to a gambling site. So then you have to build up backlinks. But this is another game than having a newspaper, for example. Gotcha. And then with backlinks, so for instance, with my business being a podcast and a business coach, growth strategist and stuff. So it's really important kind of to do like guest blogs and get on other people's podcasts and things like that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, but I mean, when you do it right, then you do it also for SEO. So imagine you have a, I don't know your landing page for the podcast, but if you have a landing page for the podcast, then you should have a transcript of the podcast. 
So this is written for the user, but also for Google, of course. And then when you are appearing in other podcasts, the people link to your website. So you get backlinks because you are there or you link to their website, then they link back all that stuff. Yeah, it's about networking. SEO is very important that you're networking because the more you network, the more mentions you get, the more backlinks you get. And this is crucial for SEO. Digital networking. I love it. <laughs> That's where we are, everyone. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, Ashley, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go to our by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready? Okay. Perfect. So the first question is, what has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? I wouldn't say I need a vacation from because, well, okay, you asked about did I need a vacation from. I could say at the beginning of this year, January, February, I was like, I have to do more. So I wanted to make more money, make more business, make more uh, projects. So I was doing more, more, more. And I don't say no to anything. So if somebody asks me, do you want to go to a podcast? Do you want to write an article? Do you want to do something like this? Do you want to help my startup? I was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And I really ended up in hospital. It sounds very dramatic, but it was like, boom, I was finished. It was just, I guess, a virus infection, something like this. But it, I was so stressed that I was like, I couldn't stand up anymore. I couldn't drink water anymore. Really, I needed to go to hospital just for one day. I was lucky. But this was the moment where I was like, okay, this doesn't work. So you have to focus. You can't be like, I do everything. I do everything. So this is not possible. I did this because I had another problem the years before that was not really a problem. I was so happy with my situation, with not working too much, but earning enough money, having enough time for my kid, having enough time for my dog, enjoying Spain, all that stuff. So it was a little bit like, I don't know if you heard that saying before, like golden handcuffs. It felt good, but I had no need to do more. And then I turned 45 and then I was like, maybe I should do more. So what about building something that is really scalable, really has the potential to grow, not just my time and my consultancy, but building something up that is, is scalable. So, and this was the idea of saying yes to everything. And now I step back and I'm still trying to do this. I'm still working more than before and I'm happy with that. I'm still searching for opportunities like, for example, work with startups for an equity share so that I give them all my knowledge about online marketing and they give me some shares, something like this. So to build up something that is maybe one day scalable. So this is the challenge that I have at the moment. But to come back to your question, it was this one thing that I did too much at once. Well, I'm so happy that you are healthy now and uh, you decided to take a step back. Thank God for that. So thank you for sharing that because that's very important. A lot of the designers listening are high achievers and we always feel like we have to do something. We always feel like, man, I'm sitting around. I actually have free time. What is this? I'm not doing <laughs> enough, right? Go, go, go. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it's very important to realize that you are human, right? You have to take some downtime and rest a little bit because the rest is just as important as the work in this journey. It's a long game. So I'm glad you shared that. The second question, what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? I don't want to sound dramatic, but it's something like everything is possible. If you have a goal and you work for it, 
it's nearly everything is possible. I mean, I will not fly to the moon now. I'm, I will not get an astronaut now anymore. But you can. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This would be a challenge. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's like you're not doing one job and then you say, oh, maybe I get a promotion and then it's the next step. So no, it's like sometimes I have this faces where I'm like, I'm waking up and I'm like, Oh, I want to do vintage clothes now. And then I'm checking out what is possible. What can I do? Uh, can I build up this business? Can I not build it up? I try it out. Maybe I fail. Maybe I don't fail. So, but this is like, you have the freedom of just try everything out. You're not limited to one branch or one idea or one section. I really love that, especially online, because I mean, online, you can build up a business very fast. So you don't have to to buy products first and then rent a building and all that stuff. You can just say, okay, I set up a shop now and I start drop shipment. Or I don't know, but it's quite easy to do something. That's true. You don't even have to own anything. You, you just, you know, start a business and you become an intermediary. Like, it's really the limit of your mind these days for what you can do. So, yeah, that's really key. And that's not dramatic at all. I think that's very, very true. One of my favorite speeches is by Les Brown, and he talks about how it's possible. And it really is tied to how you look at yourself and how much you believe and really how much work you're willing to put in to make it possible. So that's, yes, for sure. What are three tools or tips that you recommend when scaling a business? What I would always do is take it as the old tool, like SEMrush or Swisspix or whatever, and do a research of the search volumes of all the keywords that are relevant for you. Because you get a mirror of what are the people searching for? So this is so such a valuable information. You can use it for stocks. You can use it for your product. You can use it for your competitor, for your brand, for everything. It's just so important to see what are people really looking for? What problems do they have? What questions do they ask? So the search itself and all the data you can get out of search engines is uh, one thing that is great. I really love it. So you said three tools are tips for being scalable, find your ideal way to communicate. So as I said, SEO is not for everybody. Social media is not for everybody. Maybe you love social media, but not all the platforms. Very often people are like, okay, now I'm starting a business. I need a LinkedIn page, a Facebook page, an Instagram page. I need my website. I need email marketing. So, and who does it? It doesn't make sense. So if you say, I have no clue about all that stuff. I don't have the time for it. I don't have the resources. I make a static web page that looks nice. I have a Facebook profile where people can reach me or a LinkedIn profile, but I do email marketing because this is for my target group and for what I am doing the best way. So this is focus on something. And maybe the, the third thing then is just find the right thing to focus on. And that means try it for one week. Try for one week email marketing. Try for one week SEA. Try SEO. Okay, you need more time than one week. But you know what I mean? Check it out, what is really working. And be honest, if it's not working, even if you love it, then then kick it because it's the wrong channel for your target group or your product. Yeah, I like it. Try it. I love that advice, right? So often we're afraid. We feel like we have to marry something. When we don't, we just have to try it and then see what works. So thank you so much, Astrid. You have been amazing. As always, love the energy that you bring. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. So how can people connect with you? You always <laughs> ask me that and I'm never prepared. So I'm like, uh, but you will have my contact details somewhere online. Okay. So yeah, everybody can contact me via email, uh, via LinkedIn, via Twitter, wherever. 
I'm happy to answer questions, to be there, to connect, to build networks, digital networks. And thank you for having me. Really, it's always a pleasure to be with you. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure, Astrid. You know, I'll uh, have you on anything that I'm doing. So make sure you reach out to Astrid, connect with her. For sure, on LinkedIn, she has some amazing stuff that she drops out. And yeah, I just appreciate everything that you're doing, Astrid. You are doing some amazing work in the SEO UX space. So we look forward to seeing what you have coming up next. Thank you. Perfect. My pleasure. My pleasure. See you soon. See you. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.